1: I'm rad and I'm Paul and welcome to game for anything the podcast where we're disgustingly down for whatever comes round
0: On today's episode, we taste test the new island that just dropped. I embrace my inner and outer gamer with some peripherals that revolutionize RGB by putting in two of them. <laughs> and a Japanese baseball curse is lifted. Or is it?
1: We certainly have opinions.
0: Paul, the other thing that uh, we didn't put in the intro is just something that's been happening to me this week, and I haven't told you about it yet, and I just want to fill you in on my life because it's important to me that you know <laughs> that what I've been up okay. to, what I've been doing. As you do know, I got a tattoo, my first one, two weeks back now? It's still pretty fresh.
1: Yeah, and it's a big thigh tattoo. It's beautiful.
0: It is pretty big. It's actually the size of my hand. And while I have... They're not quite baby hands. I would say, like medium hands but it is quite a large tattoo for a first one.
1: And how is it uh how is the healing process because I mean for a while there it was very lotion centric your life. Is it coming <laughs> along okay?
0: <laughs> okay, for context on that, I think like 4 days after I got it, I stayed at Paul's mm. house for a night and like every you know Awa on the hour, I was like, mm, I need my lotion. I need to moisturize this bad boy.
1: And the acoustics were pretty real. I'll be honest. We have a pretty... There's there's a few furnishings we're missing. So the echoing of the slap-slop was pretty real. But I'm. was it helping? Was it actually helping the healing process for you?
0: I deny that allegation. There was no slap-slop <laughs> sound. I was using a small amount of Bepanthem, which is quite a sticky cream. And I was ah. doing a lot of dots across it to create an even coverage and then waiting for my body heat to slightly melt the cream and then rubbing it in. So I assure you, Paul, that there was no slap-slop.
1: So it was a butter on toast situation, right? Yeah.
0: Great. It was. And there is no slip-slop-slap in that equation. It's not audible.
1: If I've Mandela-affected slippy-sloppy noises into my memories of that weekend, I'm very sorry.
0: (laughs) That's disgusting. Someone end this man. Anyway, neither here nor there. Yes, so the healing process has been kind of slow. I will admit, I don't necessarily know what is particularly normal. Uh, Hmm. I think it's healing normal and well, at least part of it is. But there are parts of it that are like quite raised and very itchy. And I know that Hmm. the itchy is normal, but oh man, this bad boy is itchy, almost unbearably itchy. And people are like, oh, you can like lightly tap it. Uh, to scratch it because if you scratch it, it can damage it and it won't heal properly. Blah blah blah. Mm. Paul, I have slapped my leg. I've like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what they mean, but I have like, really <laughs> given it a good spank at times because uh. I'm desperate. But what I remembered that I wanted to share with you, because I think you might find this information helpful, is that using cold, like ice, is actually Mm -hmm. a really great way to alleviate itching. But I hadn't thought of it until recently, and oh, it works.
1: So first of all, Rad, uh, we talk on the phone a fair bit, and a couple of calls back, I heard this like... Oh, did you? Yeah, I literally heard you smacking your thigh to elicit some relief. <laughs> was that what I was hearing, or were you just clapping?
0: Yes, that would be it.
1: Okay. Secondly, uh, how effective has the cold been? And are you talking, are we talking ice? Are you going into a cold room? Like, how are you actually applying cold?
0: I, <laughs> I have some... Oh, no, you're frozen. Hello? I'm going to text you and say, you're frozen.
1: I'm back, I'm back, you're back. Wait, you're back, you're back.
0: I'm back. Okay, so I have a couple of gel ice packs that I maybe liberated, delivered to me in like a home grocery delivery order. They do request that you give them back, but I didn't.
1: <laughs> we won't name them because I don't want to plug their product, but is it is? are they holding up? Because obviously if, you're, if your thigh is hot enough to melt the panthen, uh, what's it doing to a cold pack? I mean, is the cold pack holding up okay
0: Mate these things are filled with like a specialized gel they hold onto cold for so long legitimately I left one out overnight and the center of it was still ice it's pretty amazing wow. but the cool thing about the gel packs that I've been finding and this is a this is a slightly different discussion but I haven't been finding that uh they get much condensation on the outside like they're not getting very wet um right. so I'm able to leave them on surfaces, even the bed, I left it on the bed and fell asleep, Uh, and it doesn't create a wet patch, which I find really cool. And in theory I was like, oh, is it because it's a gel pack? But that's not how condensation works, right? Like Condensation is working using the atmospheric like water vapor, so Mm. is it just really dry at the moment? But I don't think it is, because it's rained in Sydney recently, so that would suggest that there's humidity, which would lead to condensation. I don't know. I find it very interesting.
1: If this is an ad for Fresh, it's a very bad one. (laughs) (laughs) What I will say is, how is the... There's really no delicate way to say this. How's the crust situation?
0: Oh, there's no crust. Uh, Paul, did you miss the part where I've been diligently... Moisturizing, But it's meant to,
1: like, get crusty
0: and gross, isn't it? Like, is, doesn't that happen to everybody's tattoos? Not mine. Built different.
1: Huh. Something that has been forming a bit of a crust across the board. That's uh, the only the...
0: reason you asked me that question. That's the only want... reason. You just wanted your little segue. <laughs> you didn't care about crust or no crust. You were just like, ha, 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 The F has a crust. I'm going to ask her about a crust on her tattoo.
1: Look, I think we can both agree it was a reasonable segue.
0: No, I've got a better segue for you, because the crux of what I was telling you about was ice stops itching, and that's really useful Mm. information, you could have gone, well, another story of fire and ice.
1: (sighs) Okay. I'm tempted to do all of that again. I want listeners to pretend they didn't hear that whole how the sausage is made bit. Hang on a sec. Speaking of uh, fire and ice, (laughs) is that how you phrase it? Is that close enough?
0: You (laughs) f***ed it, but whatever.
1: Okay, great. Uh, sp- uh, well, speaking of um, uh, getting f- the underwater... Uh, c- <laughs> sorry. I, I can't, I can't <laughs> Huge subsurface eruptions. Actually, here's the thing. this is, uh, uh, There is actually something interesting here. Believe it or not, there is an interesting story here. So, 750 miles south of Tokyo... On October the 30th, there was an underwater eruption. Huge, huge, huge plumes of rock and steam and pumice and all kinds of stuff came up, created what is essentially a new island. So in our intro, we were joking around, yes, a new island has dropped, but it turns out, yeah, an actual new island has appeared off the coast of Japan, and it's been being born since the end of October, and now it's a bouncing baby island. How cool is that?
0: How big is this thing? Like, Is there some comparison of a country that I might know which... To be fair, my knowledge of geography is very, very poor. But are we talking, like, how big, roughly? How many houses could you fit on this thing?
1: Okay, so it's 330 feet wide, which is about 100 meters wide. Uh, It's about half a mile, uh, which is one kilometer from Iwo Jima. I think what alarms me is how, first of all, how monstrously ugly this is. So there's not, you, you couldn't, you can't move in just yet, is obviously one of the one of the takeaways. But what I discovered right is that this is happening quite often so there was a new island formed off the coast of Japan back in 2021 and everyone freaked out because this like crescent shaped landmass just appeared uh, in the Pacific Ocean. But Japan is an archipelago which is a series of islands, right? It's lots of islands. And some islands are big enough to put houses on, like the ones you clearly desire because I know <laughs> you want some waterfront property. And some of them are the big, big, big ones and then there's just lots of little strange ones and it turns out So Japan thought it had about six thousand islands in its island chain, which sounds like a lot. But then it turns out earlier this year they realized that the last time they counted was back in like the late '80s, I think '87. And it turns out there's fourteen thousand one hundred twenty-five islands in the Japanese island chain, uh, plus one. So fourteen thousand one hundred twenty-six island. Though everyone is an individual landmass. Isn't that crazy?
0: That is. That is crazy. Why yeah. does this feel like an absentee parent not being aware of, like, the children that it has?
1: Yeah, this, this parent has been extremely busy. But what <laughs> strikes me as very odd is that, okay, this is where it gets really interesting, Rad. So, as you may be aware, Japan is in a bit of an interesting real estate kind of situation with some of its neighbouring countries and every time a new island is born the land mass increases and the diameter of Japan moves closer to borders where it could be contentious politically so technically speaking this volcano could (laughs) like trigger a war maybe
0: surely not because they're not habitable there's nothing that you can do with them so there's no point in trying to contest who owns it
1: but it does extend the border of Japan because it's Japanese land
0: ooh what uh oh Eh? How? But are there not already international borderlines, like, in the ocean that are pre-existing?
1: Look, I'm not with the UN, I don't understand how these things work, but I think what gets really funny is that a couple of scientists have been like, hey, cool, this is really cool, obviously. A new island, I've seen geothermal imaging, I've seen video of it happening, and they're like, look, a lot of these islands just fall to shit like some of them are born and literally the ocean is so treacherous that it just like smacks them away and before you know it they're back under the water so we don't know whether this island is a is a keeper yet but if it is they actually need to name it and i'm thinking maybe we should like brainstorm some names a pimple okay okay let's let's take that back to the drawing board i think (laughs) There's definitely a lot going on in in the Japanese ocean, but it's been really interesting because I thought it was such a huge story and geologists were like, no, this happens all the time. Actually, right, according to the GIA, they've said that, and I quote, the discovery of new Japanese islands won't change the country's territory or territorial waters, but I don't believe them.
0: (laughs) Okay, this is sounding a whole lot like Paulie is okay with a war starting and uh, Paulie is okay with... <laughs> the territory of Japan continuing to grow until it subsumes us all.
1: Yeah, look, unchecked aggression, this is not. It feels like the most. You know, when someone just inches their way into your. Like, let's say you're sharing a seat with somebody and they just. Or like an armrest on a plane and they just gradually move <laughs> so that by halfway through the flight, you don't have an armrest anymore. I think this is what that is. That's
0: also what dating is. Is it? You just slowly make your presence more present until you're just a fixture of their life. That's that's how it works, right? Yeah. But I suppose one benefit of Japan's territory or land continuing to grow is mm-hmm. that there's more space for more people to create more culture, right? And Japan already has a really interesting and um, unique culture.
1: They do, although one of the quirkiest things they do, quirky is not the right word maybe, but obviously... You and I are very big fans of Christmas. I love Christmas. (laughs) I love Christmas food. I love... No, this is going to make sense, trust me. No, I was
0: excited about Christmas. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, God. It's like six or seven weeks away. I can't wait.
1: That's such a wholesome, wholesome reaction to Christmas. So, in Japan, right, they don't do turkey at Christmas. For some reason, since the 80s, KFC has been the Japanese meal. So, families literally just go to KFC. So, Christmas food... Christmas in Japan is a KFC holiday, basically. So... Post-war, there was a massive kind of expansion of lots of businesses and franchises, and KFC just got in early to the point where there are Colonel Sanders statues every single uh, outside every single KFC. They're like life-size big statues. He's pretty much Japan's Santa Claus. Here is something that I think is worth pointing out. I'm also a big baseball fan, and if you're wondering where baseball and KFC intersect, I'm going to tell you, and you you will be very charmed by this. There's a team called the Hanshin Tigers. They're a very, very fun to follow baseball team, but they've had a very bad losing streak. And it began in 1985. So they won the Central League pennant, which is a massive, massive tournament, right? And the fans lined this massive canal in Osaka, which is this huge city in Japan. And this beautiful canal, there's thousands of fans lining the canal, singing through the night. And the river's really polluted. It's a bit like the Yarra, right? Like it's a disgusting river. and all of these trash fans thought, you know what would be a really great way to kind of kind of seal the deal and kind of commemorate this occasion is, we're gonna find people in the crowd who resemble the players from the team, right? And then those people are gonna jump into the canal. So one by one, they're like, oh, you, you look like the batter, you look like the pitcher, blah, 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 blah. So they get to the point where there's a US player in the team called Randy Bass and they couldn't find anyone who looked like Randy Bass. So one of the drunk fans is like, um, Colonel Sanders will do. So they wrench this Colonel Sanders statue out of the, like it's housing because they're bolted to the floor and they throw it into the river. And what began was a 40-year bad luck streak to the point where if you live in Osaka, it's like the Tigers are cursed. It's it's widely regarded as baseball's most prolific curse. Since 85, they have done nothing but lose in the most spectacular fashion. Their main slugger got hit by a ball in 86, got so injured he had to retire in 88. Heel injuries, massive team losses, draft picks that didn't work. Everything went... It was amazing. So I got obsessed with this sort of Christmas... Tradition, the fact that Colonel Sanders was this beloved figure, they had to pull the statue out of the river and get it ritually cleansed at a Shinto shrine in the Kansai area. And I, uh, I'm i happy to say that they've actually just lifted the curse because they just won <gasps> the pennant. They literally just won.
0: Uh, okay, a little bit afraid of Colonel Sanders now. I didn't realise that he had some sort of spiritual power. I would just like to say, Colonel... I, for one, love your chicken, and I think the goatee really works. (laughs) I'm Sandra,
1: and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you
0: didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a
1: given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's a little scary, isn't it? Like they literally rad. They they pulled it out of the river, got it decursed, and they tried putting it back in the store where it was originally. Like this rotted Colonel Sanders statue with its hand missing. <laughs> it, they were so desperate to fix this thing. I
0: was going to say, like... 40 years is a very long time. Would the statue not have been lost in the river? Like, that would have been a huge expedition just to find it.
1: Yeah, they had a cardboard cutout photo of it for a while. At one point... There was talk of trying to reenact that night. So, getting the same people who jumped in, like kind of like a ritual, like retracing the steps and then throwing the statue in again. They got so desperate. Baseballers are very superstitious people anyway. And I wanted to actually ask you are you in any way a superstitious person?
0: Okay. Well, this is an interesting thing. And I was thinking about it while you were telling this story as well. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm superstitious, but I think that there is a big difference in how like Western culture sits and how Eastern culture sits. I feel like Western culture by default is quite atheist. Like there isn't an inherent belief in a spiritual realm. Like it's kind of either you believe that or you don't, but it's not part of the generalized culture and everyday life. Um, You're either religious or you're not sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Mm -hmm. Eastern culture, spiritual realm sort of stuff is a given. So if your only knowledge... (laughs) like, if your only knowledge of anything Asian, for example, is the Disney film Milan, already you have examples in that of how these ideas of kind of ancestors and their spirits and that kind of connection mm. is a given and uh, kind of flows into everyday life. Kind of terrible example, but <laughs> people have seen Milan, okay? People have seen yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it works.
1: Ancestors. It's a fine film. I love Milan.
0: <laughs> so if you don't know because you can't see me, I am Asian (laughs) and there are areas of life that I've noticed that um, even though I was born and raised in Australia, kind of the just general cultural flow on from what I've been taught growing up, I have much more of an inherent belief in spiritual stuff than a lot Mm. of my white Australian friends do. So when you talk about it almost being obvious to them that they would need to go and do this and a belief in uh, that being a reason why the team is cast, I feel like from some lenses it can almost sound a little bit ridiculous, but to me I'm like, well it's a good thing that they did that because I'm not saying that it definitely is. <laughs> but maybe that is the reason. And it's not necessarily a superstition from me, but I think the spiritual realm is real and I just don't think that uh, we should mess with it. I don't think that's our business.
1: I also agree in the spiritual realm. I think it's completely real. I think they were completely right to do what they did. I think they pissed off some deity and they spent 40 years winding it back and now they've won. I'm Please, I am in no way mocking the fans of the Henshin Tigers. I found it really interesting that everyone went, yeah, we need to like, break this spell. So they did everything they possibly could, even stuff that seemed counterintuitive. But what's great is, Rad, baseball players are so superstitious, even people in the MLB, even people stateside were like, yeah, they're doing all they can. Like, this is a completely reasonable (laughs) course of action. Every baseball player, Randy Bass went into politics afterwards and he was on the record as saying, yeah, like, what else are they gonna do? We gotta break the curse, baby. Like, everyone was, everyone was on board. With what they were doing in the Hanshin Tigers. And I'm just very happy that the curse is lifted. So well done, everyone.
0: And bless the Japanese Council for letting them dredge the river for Colonel Sanders.
1: <laughs> you, you, you really do have to see it. Because remember when I saw the photos underwater out of like the Titanic sitting there covered in barnacles, <laughs> utterly wrecked? And I went, that's nowhere near as romantic as a bunch of Japanese men crying as they hold this ruined Colonel Sanders on the bank of the river. Beautiful stuff. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Is.
0: Now, Paul, we've talked about a lot of things uh, in this episode, in some ways, none of which are related to gaming or tech, which is, quote-unquote, the category that we sit under. But at the same time, the podcast is called Game for Anything for a reason, because we are Game for Anything. We like to talk about a variety of things. However, I do want to bring us back to our roots. Our core being, the thing that makes our hearts beat, which is little fancy lights, little RGB (laughs) computer peripherals. Mm, You love to see it. The reason I bring this up is because recently I've been playing with a mouse and a keyboard from Rokat uh, that they sent for me to review. And I'd like to share my thoughts with you, Paul. Please do. I'm going to start with the mouse, partially because I kind of hated it. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
1: well, uh, okay, now, this doesn't imply that the second peripheral is something you loved, by the way. It could get worse, but you're just saying that you hated the mouse.
0: Uh, look, hate is a strong word, Um, but I'm full of it, so, you know. <laughs> 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 so it was the Rocat Cone Air, and a good portion of what I didn't like about this thing is that it uses AA batteries. Oh. We're in the year of our Lord 2023- Stuff can be plugged in with a little rechargeable fella. I don't want to like be going to the store to buy batteries or having little like just normal rechargeable batteries that I have to take out myself, <laughs> myself. And then you have to buy the specialized charger for those rechargeable batteries. No, I'm not about it. Um. Why not just
1: plug it into a generator? Like, what <laughs> year is this?
0: Why not just start a fire and put <laughs> put a and put throw a this fucking f- mouse
1: in? Yeah. <laughs> I think AA batteries conjures up a real different era of
0: tech. Precisely. And, you know, they're kind of trying to present it as still a very technology-forward mouse. And in some ways it is. It's apparently tested for 100 million clicks. It's got a 19K DPI sensor. It's got programmable inputs, all this stuff. But as soon as you introduce technology from when flip phones were the main go... I'm so I've stopped taking you seriously. And also, not to speak ill of a thick girl, but it's really large and my hands are not that big and like
1: Ah, here's the it, Right, it here's the problem. Right. This actually there is a segue because it ties back to how small your hands are in comparison to your tattoo, right?
0: No, the tattoo's smaller than my hand. I'm just saying that I have like medium sized hands.
1: So if the mouse was smaller than your tattoo, it would be a better mouse.
0: I can't do that maths, quite honestly
1: put the mouse on your leg and let's talk
0: <laughs> no because the tattoo's too itchy we've discussed this <laughs> that is the Rokat cone air look i just think there's better mice out there for the price but the one that interested me quite a bit was the keyboard which was the vulcan 2 max now again in some ways i'm not really sure what Rokat are doing i've bought their products previously and I've really liked them like I've Mm. you know considered them to be quite a high quality brand um this this keyboard is wired which again in the year of our lord 2023 to me feels a bit old school but that's (laughs) fine I think that wired peripherals still have their place but it's a big ask to charge a really you know like a wireless keyboard price for a wired keyboard but the thing that this does have is dual RGB lights behind each key.
1: What does that mean?
0: Oh my god, Paul. This Okay. As I'm about to tell you, I feel like it sounds very silly to okay. be this excited, but it has two RGB like LED lights underneath each individual key. So there's two lights, two colors that you can make this you can make <laughs> each key two colors at the same time.
1: Why is that? Why? 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 Oh, my God. Oh, my that?
0: God. It looks cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Right. Now, I just needed to know that it was an aesthetic thing and that's it. It doesn't do yeah. anything other than look cool, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wait no, judging. No. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's a functional aspect of it. If you want to view it from a really kind perspective. You know how sometimes like a key, particularly like the function keys will have Sort of two bits of text on them. They'll have yeah. like the F9 or whatever, and then it might be like print screen up the top. You can light you those can up you can have each of those colors. a different yeah, color as well. Can. Okay, yeah,
1: <laughs> okay, okay, sure. No, it looks it really
0: good, Paul. It looks really good.
1: Do these bulbs ever run really hot and therefore heat the keyboard up and keep your hands warm on a cold night? Is that a. That... Actually, that sounds like a fault. That sounds maybe? like That's
0: a not... fault. No, they sure. don't do that. Look, okay, well, I'm like. I love you, and I understand that um that this that my level of excitement is maybe perceived as excessive for what it is. however, I feel like you're really harshing my shine right now, man.
1: I love you too. I'm really not judging. I just actually was trying to get towards what colors do you like your keyboard to make <laughs> for you to make you happy?
0: um, I had been doing kind of like a green and purple split, which felt. A little bit like the Riddler. <laughs> or like Joker or something. And I was getting like Val Kilmer Batman vibes.
1: You make a decent Riddler, by the way. You Thank love you. riddles, you have a good cackle, and you fit in most crawl spaces, so you can hide from Batman pretty easily.
0: Thank you. I'm taking that as quite a big compliment.
1: That's how I meant it. Mm. That's how I meant it. So, if you're a criminal mastermind, this keyboard is a is a must get. But you cannot then like take your keyboard and hide because it is wired. That is a that is a flaw.
0: <laughs> that is an accurate assessment. And look at a recommended retail of three hundred and seventy dollars. What the f- um? <laughs> what the? F- I potentially <laughs> personally what? have have difficulty maybe recommending it. It does have so, a street price of closer to 260.
1: What do you mean but... street price? You're not buying this shit from a guy with a trench coat. Hang no, on a second. Street so... price
0: just means the price that like stores are often selling it at.
1: Okay, we've just turned a corner where Paul apparently thought street price meant the price you paid on the street.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, does street price mean second hand pricing?
1: Oh, hang on, let's find this out. Actual retail price, which is usually substantially lower than the advertised catalog or list price, which often varies from day to day. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So I am correct.
1: And I'm not. Mm. I didn't think I was, though. Uh, Okay. So if you got this keyboard with half as many lights, would it cost half as
0: much? I don't know. Probably not. Like, it's a a nice, well-made keyboard in other regards as well, except it does (laughs) – you're going to hate this – it does take two USB ports – but it doesn't have any, like, throughput USB ports on the board itself.
1: I have actually used a large clicky-clack Alienware gaming keyboard that used two USB ports, and I'm using a laptop right now which is almost on fire It's So Hot and doesn't have enough ports on each side to do that keyboard. But if I had a big gaming rig, maybe i consider a double.
0: No, I need those ports for other things. And if you're not giving me ports on the keyboard itself... Then why do you need two, sir? Why, why are you being so greedy? Why do you need two USB ports? <laughs> anyway, point being, <laughs> it's a nice keyboard. It is a nice keyboard. But to me, it doesn't fill a niche where I'm like, oh, yes, this is really going to serve this one particular type of customer super duper well. It just feels like a nice keyboard that looks goddamn beautiful, but functionally doesn't have enough.
1: Much like an island which looks great but has no infrastructure whatsoever and could disappear back into the ocean at any moment.
0: Yes, it is the fresh Japanese island of keyboards.
1: The fresh Japanese island of keyboards might be the best combination of words you've ever said. So we should probably finish the
0: podcast there if you're after that. <laughs> well, Paul. I'm game for anything. And that's the end of this episode. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, hanging out with us. Uh, Remember to go leave us good reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because we would really like that. I'm, I'm asking nicely.
1: We actually need compliments to live, so please leave them in the form of reviews.